Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. Okay, so um, I'm just uh, recording this for the benefit um, of uh, SpeakPipe, which is hosted on the Dumpty Dum website. Now, uh, Dumpty Dum is a fan podcast for Archer's listeners. Um, ironically, it takes longer each week to, uh, uh, to listen to that than it does the entire omnibus. Um, but one fantastic feature uh, that they've been plugging for the last few weeks is that they've been uh, really kindly promoting this conference. Um, and uh, so, you know, we wanted to sort of say hello back. Um, now, uh, on a weekly basis, the show starts, for those of you who don't listen to Dumpty Dum, um, uh, with people sending in a Dumpty Dum, which is them singing uh, Barwick Green and so on. Now... We believe that this might be the largest Dumpty Dum um, <laughs> that's happened. I'm hoping, actually, that people listening on the live stream will by now have directed their browsers to dumptydum.com, uh, opened up SpeakPipe, and be ready to sing along also, in the hope that the presenters can then splice together this kind of multimedia, um, very hyper-digital, uh, post-truth Dumpty Dum. Um, so... Uh, Exactly. It's fake news. None of this is really happening. We're all a figment of your imagination. Um, so, fine. Uh, for the benefit of Dumpty Dum listeners, for whom I'm obviously recording, uh, we're at the Archers, uh, Academic Archers Conference in Lincoln. Uh, it's the most fantastic Friday and Saturday that I've had in a very long time. And it's not even 10 o'clock in the morning. So, uh, I will uh, count us all in on something like a starting note. You can pick your own key if you would rather. Um, but here we go. One, two, three, four, dumpty 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 dum, dumpty dumpty dum, dumpty 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 dum, dumpty diddly dum, dumpty diddly dumpty diddly dumpty diddly dum, dumpty 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 dum, dumpty diddly dum. Well done, everybody. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality lucky drama that has centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the romantic proposal that is Royfield Brown, and with me are the creaking knee that is... Lucy Freeman. And the last part of Lillian's Dilemma, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum comes from the Academic Archers Conference, because that was such an awesome one. Couldn't just leave that in the vaults now, could we, Lucy? No. No, right. Now, however, vaults is the key word there, folks. We need some fresh ones. Uh, so, if someone wants to send us in a brand new Spangly Dumpty Dum, Lucy, how can they do that? 
If you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum, leave us a plot prediction or start a punch up in a bird hide. Call us on 02030313105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. Uh, thanks to Cosmo for his podcast roundups and for doing the Dumpty Dogs. Shed code for sponsoring us. And to Derek, in the back bedroom, Derek is very angry that Ooh. Trump may have had his calls monitored. And said that really, if the FBI don't feel they can trust a philandering, tax dodging misogynist with close Russian ties, then who can they trust? <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm getting it in the neck here right now. Everybody's saying, you Brits have been uh, spying on our president. Oh, like they don't spy on ours? Uh, we don't have a president. And uh, well, you know what I mean. part of the Three Eyes Agreement, uh, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, Canada uh, and America don't spy on each other. That's four. America, Canada, Britain, Australia, New Zealand, five. Five. You said three. Did I? Three-somethings agreement. Okay. Okay. I said three, I meant five, which is partly the reason why why GCHQ is so outraged, because they just wouldn't Uh... do it. But the Americans spy on everybody else, the Germans, the French, everybody else, blah, blah, blah. And that's what Trump was referring to the other day when he looked to Merkel and says, you know, we've both been spied upon because the the, uh, CIA under Obama were tapping uh, Angela Merkel's phone. When John Prescott had to do his first call as deputy to um, the American president um, in the Blair government, mm-hmm. he did, he said to, he, uh, he was really, really nervous beforehand because, you know, his mastery of the English language isn't exactly, um, he doesn't exactly have it in a stranglehold as it is. <laughs> and uh, he was a bit worried. And anyway, he did it. And he said, I really, he said to them after, he said to his civil servants after, I really don't think I should have done that by myself. I think, I think I think I should have had someone listening in and they just laughed and said, do you have any idea how many people were listening in? <laughs> in his naivety, he just thought, oh, I'm just having a little chat here. No one can hear me. I can say what I like. <laughs> no, you can't, John. Not for the rest of your life now. <sighs> On this week's episode, we have calls from Dusty Substances. I love me, Dusty. And Ruth Simpson, she sounds new to me, who she thinks it needs her ass kicked. Blythe Spirit is definitely not new. Still work, she is. Still work who's not bowled over with cricket, New York Nigel, who says some lovely stuff, who is worried about the cows having mumps, Andrew Horn, who thinks Josh has brought the plague, Witherspoon, who thinks Lillian's heart may belong to Tiger, and Sarah, who's glad Usher's rubbish at cricket. But first, before all that, before maybe some digressionary chat about some temporaneous rubbish which is going on in the world, or some map talk, or even a touch of history, it's Lucy V. Freeman's week in Ambridge. We started the week in bed with Lillian and Justin. Ugh. Justin just assumed that Lillian was going to move in with him. There'll be plenty of excitement, Justin assured Lillian. Sometimes we'll watch Call the Midwife and sometimes a rerun of Antiques Roadshow. You just won't know, Lillian. Oh, you must be delighted to have taken him from that ghastly woman, said Jenny, as if she was a terrier with a tennis ball. Mm-hmm. The cows at Brookfield are not very happy. More of that anon. In the meantime, they all sat round the table. The family, I mean, not the cows. And drank a cup of coffee, accompanied by the usual muffled noises of profound ecstasy. I don't know what they put in the coffee in Ambridge. Crack! Anyway, mm-hmm. Pip said she needed to talk to her parents. Is this something personal? Asked David with trepidation. Is it gonorrhea again? He ended up wishing it was gonorrhea. <laughs> as what it turned out to be was, Daddy, I've given all my money to Toby. So can I have some of yours? Can I? 
Carol Toboggan has stuck her beak in and decided that Jill has what passes for a drink problem in Ambridge. Jill is apparently mainlining Twinings, and if they cut off that supply, she just starts cutting open tea bags and snorting them. It's sad, really, how people get like that. Hmm. I can't quite get to grips with this B&B storyline. Why is Eddie so fiercely competitive with Linda when he's doing better than she is? None of it makes sense. I think it's all a cunning ruse to allow us to enjoy Eddie getting his own Birdman of Alcatraz. He has picked Jim Lloyd to face <laughs> off against Robert Snell. They both had a brace of mute B&B guests with them. Now, you might think that's a pied wagtail, said Robert, but it's actually Jim Lloyd. Jim West was in the red corner of the bird hide, prancing around in a dressing gown that said, plus valet in manibus avis unica quam dupla civilis on the back. It was a hell of a big dressing gown. And Robert was in the other corner wearing one of Linda's old itchy tartan things. Jimus said Robert had lesser yellow legs and Robert said he could stick it up his chiff chaff. <laughs> Emma has sadly reverted to type. I don't want to do laundry, Ed. I want to live in a massive great house in the village I want to live in with babysitters on tap. But I don't want to have to do things I don't want to do even though you are sweating blood, Ed. I wish I'd stayed married to William and gone to live in Cosa Nostra and washed the blood out of his dungarees while I watched Made in Chelsea on his massive plasma screen. That's my sister. Hello, Charles. <laughs> um, I, no, listen, I'm, 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 I'm recording Dumpty Dum, and you're on the air. <laughs> so, um, goodbye, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> Bye. Um, yes, Alistair is doing some sales calls. Pick up that phone and knock him dead," said Shula. Oh, Shula, the only Alistair. Ali the only way Alistair could knock them dead on the phone is if he actually hit them with it. Talking of knocking things dead, the cows at Brookfield have all got IBS. They are bloated and uncomfortable. Their trousers don't do up and they look concerned during business meetings. I don't know why they're making such a fuss. I've seen the adverts. All they have to do is eat Activia yogurt. Then they'll be eating salad in <laughs> white kitchens and laughing. Lily got left out at the cricket, not because she was a woman, but because she's really, really annoying. Usha popped up out of the silent tomb because there is nothing a change-resistant cricket team of old men likes better than being cross-questioned about their private lives by a female Asian solicitor. Am I the only one finding it a little bit odd that the two women that we are patronising to death on the cricket team are Usha and Anisha, and they're only doing it because their male relatives did it? If a black family moved to Ambridge, are we going to suggest they must be really good at running or something? Oh, I have let work slide a bit, said Lillian. Slide? It's more of an avalanche. So she went back to home farm and was surprised to discover that we've had decimalisation since she last looked at her Amside spreadsheet. Now, Nanny needs to talk to Justin. When we want something, Justin, we don't just snatch it. What do we say? We say, please, may I have? If we want another biscuit, then we finish the one we have first and then we ask very nicely. We don't just assume the biscuit is ours. <laughs> if we want a lady to marry us, then we ask her if she would like to and we get rid of the wife we have already. We had a lovely family lunch at Home Farm. All frozen silences, clanking forks and anxious swallowing. Peggy wanted to know exactly what Lillian had been focusing on in the bird hide and then misheard when Alice said Kate was offering special weekend packages. It's Justin's special weekend package that's been worrying Piggy for ages. It was all extremely fraught and the only thing that didn't spark a row was the peas. Peas on earth and goodwill to all men. The end. Oh, well done. That's a triumph this week. I actually enjoyed that. Well done, you. You the broad stroke of events in Ambridge, which you covered. <laughs> what do you think, though, about this cricket thing? 
Doesn't um, it seem odd? Um, that it's only Usha and Anisha and they're doing it well because Usha's... No, Molly Buttons. Molly Buttons on Yeah, but the, the only... I suppose they're the only ones we hit. No, cause, but why isn't Alice doing it? And why isn't, you know, anybody else doing it? Yeah, I thought Pip was a shoo-in. I thought Pip would have been doing it. Um, I'll tell you what I would say. Number yeah. first observation, just to riff off what you said in your monologue, which was that um, it's the two um, women of Asian origin yeah. who are doing it. So it feels a little bit, uh, you know, well, tokenistic. Uh, yes. You know, for want of a better word. However, growing up in the 70s and the 80s, um, it, it would, you know, the black folks would have been the cricket players, you know, would have been shoehorned, you know, you know the, the black one would have been shoehorned in if there were any in Ambridge because the West Indies were up there pomp then. Um, so okay. I, I lament the passing of the West Indies cricket team uh, in the fact that we can't be used as a stereotype in that regard as black folks. So that's that. <laughs> so <laughs> no. you're mourning the loss of a stereotype because it means you've actually got worse at cricket. Exactly. Okay, we're right? absolutely hopeless okay. now. All right, that's that. <laughs> Secondly, I think they've portrayed Anisha, who's obviously got some skill, um, but an Usher playing in nets really very well and actually how the how Alistair uh Harrison etc don't want to say they're disappointed but they're actually a little bit disappointed this is going to take much more of the of their resources of their time hence their yeah. resources to actually to get them up to a level where it's worthwhile them having them in the team and and I actually think that's incredibly brave and very honest for the writers to depict it in that way, as opposed to they just come in and Anisha was just fantastic. Yeah, that's Be- exactly what Sarah said when she when she called in, which we'll hear later. She said, um, she uh, she said, um, you know, the it, you, you kind of expect it's weird because you kind of because it is in effect. Um, a soap you kind of expect the soap opera thing to kick in which is let's resist women in the cricket team because they're going to be shit oh no actually someone's really surprised us and they're fantastic and then yeah. it's all done and dusted and marvelous but it's almost like the bloke like you said the blokes were expecting that to happen as well there was exactly. almost like an expectation from hans harrison like well, i'll prove you you know you'll be amazed oh shit they're terrible <laughs> <laughs> they're much worse than i thought yeah. it's sort of um yeah, so yeah. Uh, it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of it's a bit sort of it's a bit sort of fourth wally, really. No, it's leading I, us down the path where we think it's going to be one thing, and then suddenly going, nope, this is real life. Doesn't happen. Does not happen. Listen, absolutely, absolutely. And I just found all those um, scenes rather good because of that. Um, other thing, this um, twitching malarkey. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I know it's comic light relief, <laughs> but I, I don't, you know what? I genuinely don't know, Lucy. I don't know whether, I just think, okay, I've had enough now of these effing twitches in their binoculars and whatever, or whether I just want there to, to be more of it. I'm totally torn between <laughs> two, two stools here. I was like, do I hate it? Do I love it? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. All I know is I love Robert Snell. That's one thing I'm yeah. incredibly sure of. I rub, love Robert Snell and I love Jimmus. And I suppose any excuse, probably that's the reason why I say I love it, because any excuse to have them as more than just bit part, walk on 
actually yeah. they actually yeah. have something it's not i can say substance to say because it's not of substance it doesn't matter in the great <laughs> scheme of things at all it's not pushing on any greater plot line is it but <laughs> it's just them pair interacting just them pair being themselves it's just gold and and there's a certain generation of men mm. and i do think it is men before everybody gets all, um that they live by knowing things and exchanging facts Ooh. because it's not is what? you pointing a finger at me no oh you so are not at all oh actually i hadn't thought of that but yes i guess it is it's totally it's just, me <laughs> Facts are controllable. They don't move around. You don't get impassioned. No one cries. It's, you know, it's like my my dad's lot when they'd go to weddings mm. and, and they'd all be standing in a group with their pints and they'd spend the first half of the reception or the first third of the reception talking about how they all got there. Mm. Then they'd have their pints and their lunch or whatever. And then they'd spend the, the last third of the reception talking about the route they were going to take to go home again. And it made them very happy. They did, they'd, they'd slot the odd joke in and talk about the beer or whatever. Uh, and have you seen old so-and-so? But mostly it would be about facts, mm. you know, and, and they made them very comfortable because oh. there was nothing unexpected in there and nothing was going to leap out and frighten them. And, uh, and they just could know stuff. And oh. I think it makes men feel very comfortable. I hear you about the facts thing. And and I think we mentioned this before, but like facts are incredibly important because you can't have a functioning uh, property owning informed democracy without establishing facts and people agreeing on basic facts and norms, which is the reason why this Trump phenomenon is so scary. Right. So there are basic things which we all just have to agree on. However, in the world of, of history, um, in particular, the world which I, I kind of know. Revisionism is incredibly important. So you can still have facts and still fundamentally agree on basic tenets, but then say, but here is a different interpretation on those facts. And that does enough stiffen the sinews and, and you know, and make, make you all excited. When somebody says, oh, no, actually, Winston Churchill was the worst thing that ever happened to Britain. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, and and actually the demise, the relative decline of Britain is all down to the fact that in 1940 he gave that speech and didn't actually come to an agreement with Hitler, blah, blah, blah. You know, it, it, it's not to say that that person um, has turned around and said, well, actually, uh, Winston Churchill was not the prime minister and stuff, but you can still interpret it in, in different ways. And I, and I love all of that. And mm. I just think you do us men down um, a little but but you <laughs> but yes we 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 agree the ground rules of any of any topic and topic and of, of conversation through a you know the common parlance of a certain set of facts and then we riff you know yeah. from that then kind of going on but anyway yeah. uh before uh we we talk any more on on this topic um why don't we have a few caller inners and then we'll just have a meandering chat and hopefully we'll get got this podcast all wrapped up in one hour or less. Ooh. Hello, Ambridge3962. Uh, first of all, we've got Pip and... No, we haven't. We've got Ruth and Dusty talking about Pip. Hello, Dumpty Dum. Ruth Simpson calling. First time caller in a row, so I'd better give you a few details. 
I work with the elderly, spend all day visiting the old dears. Some of them are a delight and some of them are a nightmare, but you've got to do something to earn a shilling. Uh, seldom speak to anyone under 80, really, so it's quite a novelty having a word with you two. I listen in the car between visits, which can make it a bit disjointed, but I manage to keep up somewhere along the line. I'm ringing in to say what a total, utter and complete pain in the bum Pip is. She just expects David and Ruth to hand over shed loads of cash so that she can buy new cows to make money, having given all her profits to the idiot fair brother. It does me head in. I really can't be doing with her. It reminds me of when she crashed a car and then had a complete strop because David and Ruth suggested getting her an older car rather than a brand new one. God forbid she should have to drive round in anything elderly. Some of us do have to. It doesn't matter what they look like. It's whether they get you there in one piece. Anyway, uh, as I say, she's a pain in the bum, very much like Ruth. They're both as self-obsessed as a couple of gyroscopes. Right, I think I'll pack in now and see if I've got this damn thing to work. I am a computer numpty. Bye for now. Hello, it's Dusty Substances, the wrong sort of listener here. Um, ringing after the episode where Darling Pip had a strop because Daddy wouldn't give her any more money. I just honestly think that Ambridge is more than another universe away from where I live. Here we have a tedious young woman who is working for the family, who's living in the family's accommodation, who has been bailed out on a number of occasions anyway. She was given a car, I think. Um, She has a boyfriend living with her who doesn't seem to be contributing anything financially uh, to the setup, and in fact has taken all her money to uh, set up a gin racket. And then we strop about because Daddy wouldn't give her any more. I will be so cross if she eventually gets this money. I really will because you know it's not like it's not life like most people live it, and we keep being told that this is a true to life. Um, docu-soap as Royfield calls it so so let's have a little bit of arse kicking of Pip uh, please that would be wonderful um the lights evenings are almost with us she says changing the subject and we're about to have the clocks changing I need some references to the maypole they don't just spring up overnight with formation teams somebody has got to start rehearsing little moppets very soon. So I'm looking forward to that and other discussions about the uh, village fate. So cheer us all up, kick Pip up the arse and let's have a maypole. Thank you. Bye. Hey baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, Lucy, Royfield, Millie Bell, and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here, wishing you a very happy vernal equinox, even though it hasn't felt very spring-like here lately. And it's also not a very happy start to the season for Lillian and Justin, as well as for the Brookfield Archers. A couple of brief notes regarding both. First, hats off to Uncle Kerry for some great writing this week in regards to exploring Lillian's psyche. Lucy and I were surprised that Justin did an about-face and returned to her, but then her own ambivalence about establishing a long-term relationship was revealed. We recently had hints about this. 
Is it that she doesn't love him and that her heart still belongs to Tiger? God, I know I'm in the minority, but I hope not. He left her and stole her money after all. Or is it that she remains so damaged by Matt leaving her that she is too fearful of fully offering up her heart to another man, especially one so dominating as Justin? Or she's afraid that by repeating the pattern of being with someone she has taken from another woman will lead to her being left at some point. I'm looking forward to seeing which way this storyline goes. There was more great writing by Uncle Kerry on exhibit when we listened to the worries of David and Ruth about their cows. When I realized that it connected up to the bovines getting loose last week because Pip hadn't repaired the fence, I was thoroughly impressed with the storyboarding. And Pip has gotten too sure of herself. Will this possible tragedy bring her down to earth? David and Ruth will be livid with her when they find out. And it's also clear that Toby really doesn't want to lead a farmer's life, does he? So, what shall Angus and I do this Sunday afternoon? Maybe go to our local coffee establishment and sit for hours nursing one cup of java while working on our newest business plans. We'll talk to you soon. Um, uh, actually, Ruth, Royfield and I are both over 80. We're just uh, wearing well. We have young voices. <laughs> yes, pip, pip, pip. I couldn't believe that it hadn't crossed her mind that the fact that she'd already, you know, <laughs> that the that she didn't understand the base, you know, she's not daft, but she didn't understand the basic principle of the of the money was if you haven't, if it goes wrong, then we give you the money. It's gone right. You've had the money. You don't get the money again. It was just kind of I was thinking, what do you not understand about this? You know, you're supposed to be you keep telling us you're a marvellous independent female farmer. But then you keep galloping back to mummy and daddy every time you need a new car or, a, you know, or a, or a loan or whatever. And then and then Pip goes to, I mean, Ruth goes to kind of smooth it out and go, oh, wow. I hope you're not upset. Wow. And you think, well, Listen, what's, that, it's a tiny, though I agree with your overall premise, you know, let's throw a little bit of humanity at it. Number one, the, when the car thing, though she was bang out of order, she's still at uni. Number one. So she was still in, you know, pair well, of... she didn't want a crappy old car. She wanted Listen, another new one. She Sorry. was she was a spoiled brat. But but yes. that was her when though technically an adult, she was still treated as a child because she was at uni, um, fundamentally <clears throat> being financially looked after by her parents. She she was a brat though, right? Mm. Now she's definitely out there in the working world. And yes, what she what she did, her lack of insight into this, uh, betrayed one thing that she's just young. She's she's an adult, but she's young and she's very hardworking and she's conscientious, but she's not such a canny businesswoman because she's, what, 23, 24? Yeah, yeah, cut her a bit of slack. Yes, she was wrong. And yes, what David and Ruth said was absolutely right. But come on, don't beat her up too much. You're just learning a little business lesson. And David delivered it uh, beautifully Ruth was somewhat sympathetic, though completely backed up her husband because because what David said was right, but realised the pickle that she was in because she'd gone and blown the money and given it to, to the to the lazy gadabout and stuff. And we know that Ruth's actually going to turn up with the cash, don't we? And go say, oh, there you go, but don't tell your pops because she got it from the inheritance. Yeah. You're harsh, you are, you know. <laughs> you really are. And so are our <laughs> listeners, actually. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and just, um, just, Dusty's one of the harshest as well. Dusty, she just hates most people, really. Does I mean on the archers, she's very lovely in real life. Mm. I think she uses up all her niceness on real people, and so virtual people just get it in the neck. Um, Blythe Spirit, we have now. Hello, Dumpty Dump Blythe Spirit calling. Well, it's been quite a week in Ambridge, hasn't it? For the agricultural editor, what we didn't know about farming before, we definitely know now. It put me in mind of that fabulous episode of Dead Ringers during the Robin Helen storyline, during which the agricultural editor stormed in, held Pat and Tony at gunpoint and forced them to talk about crop yields. Absolutely brilliant. I'll try and post the link to that show on on Twitter because it really was fantastic. I think there was also a bit too much about cricket, wasn't there? To be honest... I don't care whether women are part of the team. I don't care whether men are part of the team. I just don't care. Really, really would like the storyline to move on and preferably finish as soon as possible. Eddie Grundy. I said a few weeks ago that he was annoying me. That hasn't changed. I'm particularly naffed off that he restarted this ridiculous bird-watching war between Jim and Robert. And I'm also rather naffed off that he even thought about starting up the bird-watching offer in direct competition to Ambridge Hall. The man has no boundaries, he's just being disrespectful, and he's seriously pissing me off. Sorry for swearing, but he is. Finally, Lillian. Well, who'd have thought it? Justin would be getting down on his knee in the ball and proposing over some lukewarm Riesling. Hmm, very interesting. I have a theory about Lillian and it's this. I think that she is afraid of intimacy and that she has a problem with it. Her past record shows that she attaches herself to men who are emotionally unavailable, and even physically unavailable if if she's having an affair with them because they're literally not there. She's had an affair with Paul. She's had an affair with Matt, even though it was a relationship. Look at what kind of man he was. And now she's having an affair with Justin. The moment he comes around and says he's available, she runs for the hills. Be very interested to hear what Witherspoon has to say about this and his professional opinion, because I honestly think that she does have a problem with intimacy. So, Doctor, it's over to you. Anyway, I hope everyone's well, and uh, I hope to call in again soon. Cheers now. Bye. Ooh, blood spirit. I completely agree. There is emotionally unavailable is the new buzzword in dating psychology. Uh, and there's a very good book by a lady called Natalie Liu called uh, Baggage Reclaim. <laughs> um, she has a website called Baggage Reclaim, which is about people that repeatedly get involved with unavailable people or people that are going to let them down over and over again. Um, and she's she's invented this character called um, Mr. Unreliable, um, Mr. Unavailable, and 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 um, it's just very it's it's not brilliantly written, but it's very interesting that the 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 topics that she covers. And Lillian should so read the website; she really needs to. Um, yes, as soon as anybody, as soon as someone turns around and says yes, all right, then I I agree he did it in an appalling way, but as soon as he is now. I don't think it's about him being available as in, um, you know, physically available. I think it's about him saying, "Okay, Lillian, you're not what she likes. I think is I'm dreading saying this because with a spoon, will be shaking with sitting with his head in his hands going, nope, you got that wrong. What I think she likes is a man that completely idolizes and adores her. 
she's not comfortable because she has such high ideals for herself, the way she looks, the way, you know, she is, the, everything. She's kind of just, she has high standards for herself, not in a Helen way, but just in a quite dramatic way, passionate way. Mm. She, she's terrified of being mundane or boring. So the second she thinks, oh my God, he's just going to see me as a boring person. He's going to see me in my slippers. He, you know, even though she said she didn't have any, um, he's going to see me when I haven't got my face on in the morning. He's going to see me when I have got a sick bug. He's going to see me when I have to say, I should leave the bathroom for a few minutes. Can you use the downstairs one? You know, it's kind of, it's all this terrible stuff that you don't want anyone. You don't, you, if you're a Lillian sort of person, you don't ever want to expose the everyday humdrum you. And now he's like, so come on, move in, you know, and, um, and, and, and it is, you know, sitting on the sofa, eating Doritos and saying, oh, we don't like her, do we? And all that sort of thing. And it terrifies her. So the second it happens, she absolutely panics. The reason it didn't happen with Matt is because he was never, she was never sure whether he was actually going to be there when he came home. <laughs> other way around she was never sure yeah. that he was going to be there when she came home so you know because he was so sort of flighty and he was not cozy and would never settle he'd rather eat his own foot than 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 propose to her but the fact that justin was like he's like ticking boxes yep got woman yep sofa yep let's mm. just swap in Lil we've got rid of miranda let's just swap in lillian you know well, it's absolutely scaring her rigid what she instinctively likes is excitement yeah last week she says we're going to go to badminton i'd like to go to yeah. alderney she wants to go to the races it's x and y and z the last thing lillian wants to do is to be uh found washing anybody's underpants and yeah. socks that yeah. that that's what it yeah. is and but i I don't think it's I don't think that any of those things are going to provide enough excitement because what she wants is for somebody to look at her and think, what an intriguing woman. Who's that? And she just has to seduce everybody, whether by whether platonically or or or, or sexually, she just does because she needs to know that they don't just like her. They love her. And if you're that sort of person, you can't just go to places with a, a, a loved a, a loved one you actually have to keep going keep it's exhausting keep 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 seducing and attracting people and and kind of um you know flirting with them and and all that and it, so it's not about where she goes or anything it's you know, going to be about you know what there, there's another element here which i completely had forgotten about right and i there is obviously the excitement element with, with lillian and you know, she wants to be, even if it's just for brief moments of time, she wants to be that man's sole and utter focus. Right. Yeah. And she wants to be treated yeah. like, 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 like a princess. Right. But yeah. also, there is something about Lillian instinctively likes affairs for, for that reason. You know, if I've only got you for, uh, for four hours, I want four stunning hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But also, yeah. Lillian, and I don't expect your attention to wander because for, yes, for four exactly. hours you, you, you can focus. On yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, Lillian likes slightly in, uh, inappropriate relationships. Isn't quite the the right uh, term, but I can't think of a better one right now because I only just thought about this just before we started as I was listening to the calls. Because remember, she uh, had a thing for that younger guy who Brenda went off with. 
He was much yeah. younger than yeah. her. But that's absolutely classic, emotionally unavailable behavior. Exactly, exactly. So it's, it's younger than you, much older than you, married, internet relationships. You know, all this stuff is all part of that because you're terrified that if they just know the real me, I won't be good enough. I can't really remember all the details of the whole, uh, that bloke with Brenda, but I know it was kind of in her head, wasn't it? Nothing Scott. actually really happened. Scott. Good God, Lucy, Scott with the fake good. tan. And nothing happened, No, it did, did it? happen. I mean, they were, they were yeah, they were, she, she was his, he was her toy boy sort of thing. Good heavens. And she did love him. And, and, and he went off with Brenda. No wonder she was horrid with Brenda. I always thought it was kind of in her head. And that, you know, she just liked him from no. afar the and they'd kind of flirted or something or another. But anyway. No, he was with it, her it, when it, they turned up at Grey Gables and he was oh, with okay. her. Okay. Well, it, but it still goes to, to, to back, back, at the, back at my point just, and just to reinforce yours, that it's the whole panoply of, oh, this is my partner's brother. I'll fall in love with him. Here is somebody yeah. who's much younger than me. I'll fall in love with him. Here yeah. is my boss, yeah. my erstwhile boss. Oh, I'll fall in love with him. Yeah. Now, all we need now is for Justin to suddenly remember he's got a stepson and she'll be in life, <laughs> Lena. <tonight. laughs> <sighs> um, Andrew Horn. Greetings, Earthlings. Andrew Horn here, just with a couple of observations. There's no fool like an old fool. Justin, for someone who is allegedly so astute in business, you really haven't got a clue, have you? Um, completely misread Lillian's signs and, and, well, in fact, what she blatantly said. And I, anyway, just... I hope they do smooth it out because I think I think they will be good for each other. And my other point, and, and the, my main point really, was going to be about these cows and the uh, the illness at Brooker's. Now, um, we're going to find out soon, I'm sure, that it's down to Josh. He's brought it in from one of his trips around other farms where he's been going around pricing up the um, the... Uh, machinery and he's so focused on that he's getting slapdash about his uh, biosecurity and just bringing his boots from one farm to another um, and that's my prediction it's Josh and then as well as freeloading and not pulling his weight at, at, uh, at home he will have caused them a lot of uh, loss so um, you wait sparks will fly hope you're all having fun speak again soon Bye. Yes. Now, did Josh bring the bug on the wheels of the tractors that he's bought from other farms? Or, as someone else has suggested, was it Pip when the cows went on their rampage through the village? Did, <laughs> did more, the bug come more, from the cows? It's more of a slow meander out of the broken fence than a rampage. Yes. All right. Then. Um, it was a low key rampage. Um, <laughs> then, yes. Were they... You know, is that how is that how it all got infected? Have they now infected everybody? I got a bit muddled because they said David started to get very, very, you know, like on on um, on adverts for stupid face cream, mm. overpriced bits of grease, as Victoria would refer to it, on 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 L'Oreal or whatever, and and they say you have Jennifer Aniston twinkling away, airbrushed to the eyebrows, and she's going, well, I'm worth it because I use. Chloro 
hexy fluorescence and then just make up this scientific shit and i think <laughs> because actually it's just it's just a different it's the same stuff it's in a different bottle or something mm. or they've put a smell in it or something it's kind of like that if if <laughs> if the script writers think we're all sitting at home going ah hang on but you said da 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 da, da about where the cows had come from david suddenly went Oh, no, because they were near the Anguses anyway before. Anyway, look out the window, quick. <laughs> it's kind of like, yes, yes, we recognise that. We recognise that there's a huge loophole in the script. So we're just going to chuck some science at it and then distract you because you, let's not go down that route. Um, but, but I was confused. So we were never nervous. We yeah, but no, exactly. So we, I suppose we're led to believe that it's something to do with, you know, when the cows went for their meander. But Alistair very clearly said, didn't he, this can come in on Wellington boots. Right. So yeah. it needn't be that the cow that two herds have actually rubbed up against each other quite literally. How many people in Wellington boots? Hmm? But does it does because then they said the um the cows had shared a fit when they were doing the mob grazing, the cows had shared a field with um someone else's cows and Tony's Angus's. So were I, they saying were they saying that because I the hear that farm have just I, I, well I hear that right but surely if what Alistair was saying is true and he's the vet so he's supposed to know right but he said <laughs> this thing can come in on somebody's wellies now how many people Wellington yeah. boots are going to be trampling to you know to Brookside and back like three quarters of the village. <laughs> Did I say Brookside? Yeah, but you're supposed Sorry. to do. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> but Sorry. you're supposed to do good farm hygiene. You're supposed to dis- you're supposed to disinfect your boots. Oh, okay. That's what it started with foot and mouth and things like that, where you're supposed to just wash off your wellies uh, if you come in from other farms. And mm. also, Josh said, "Oh, you know what it's like on farms? You go rooting around and find other old stuff that they could se- you could sell." And I was thinking, has he gone? Has he gone? You know, into some old barn or somewhere, some old feed store or something like that, where there might be something. But yes, we will never know. Let's face it, because they'll just blind us with agricultural science if we ever get near understanding the sodding plot. So yes, mm. that <laughs> we'll never know. We may as well just give that one up. And now we have Sarah. Uh, hi, uh, Royfield, Lucy, and. Um, it's uh, one of the Sarahs from Norwich here. This week I have loved Usher joining the cricket team. Um, first when um, Harrison was so surprised and dubious sounding about her inquiry, I thought the storyline was going to be that Usher would end up being absolutely brilliant and the star of the cricket team, which would have been great. But even better is that she's bouncing around with enthusiasm and goodwill, but is totally hopeless. Um, I love that. I'm also really enjoying the Robert and Jim comedy duo, although I find the Eddie and Linda rivalry just a bit tedious. Um, And Lillian and Justin, I'm just not convinced. It's just odd what's going on. What is Justin up to, assuming that Lillian will want to marry him when they haven't built any kind of proper relationship? Haven't even really talked to each other in a like a normal kind of way. And, and Lillian's just gone along with it until she hasn't been able to anymore and then has ended up humiliating him publicly. I kind of feel like I want to say the poor man, but I don't. Uh, but I'm like, oh, this not real. Goodness knows what's going to happen with that one. Mm. Bye. 
One of the many Sarahs. Um, I agree, Sarah. I love the fact. She's, she's, got, yes, you, that's the one. I love the fact that she's joined the cricket. Usha has joined the cricket team and is pants. That really made me laugh. And especially because she's so good humoured about it. She's not getting all bitter and, oh, I can't make it go. I want. She's just going, oh, look at me, hitting it all over the place. <laughs> well, well, um, poor old uh, Harrisman is staring at her thinking, what the hell have I done? It's just very funny. I like it a lot. Mm. Yeah. And um, I had something to say and then it's gone out of my head. And let's see if it will come back into my head. Well, it's about him. the Norwich Oh, Sarah. yes. It isn't just the fact that... Um... I've now got to the stage where I can read your mind, Royfield. This is quite worrying. So, okay, what am I going to say? Uh, something about tractor. No. No, <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't read my mind. You think, you tell me, You'd think you know, after three years mind. that you could, but you can't. Right, no. What I was going to say <laughs> Not is... Um, it wasn't just the fact that the guys were disappointed with the all-round technical ability of the women in nets. Lack of. Yeah. It was Usher kind of taking it a bit lightly in terms of the humour and like, oh, yeah. I'll get better. And they're yeah. like, hmm, yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> we want to beat Loxley Barrett next year, you know, this, this yeah. season. We want, you know, hmm, no. There's that, she, she didn't have that kind of competitive edge you know whereas no. with, with anisha there's a little bit of steel to her you know she might not have the technique sorted and you know that with yeah. your with your molly button you know she's going to come steaming in uh, but no um usher yeah. was just taking it for jokes really and they just mm. anyway um is that the end of our caller in us uh no because we have missed off new york oh Nigel. gosh yes Hello everyone, it's Nigel calling here from a very unspring-like New York City, freezing cold. Royfield, you have my every sympathy with that Bible verse thing. It drives me mad too. If I ever start sending you Bible verses, I give you permission to stage an intervention and I'll personally pay your aeroplane trip to New York City to take me to a bar on the Lower East Side to get me out of it. Well, I suppose it's just one way that people correspond in a like a mutually understood code with each other. Like we would say Ruth's Gospel, chapter one, verse one. Oh, no. First letter of Jennifer. Hello, you two. The epistle to the grandees. I'm sorry, Clary Love. Anyway, you get the picture now. The bovine irritable bowel syndrome or the cow herpes or whatever it is. So many of the archer's farming stories still have a bit of a recherche feel, like how does that story relate to anything? But it looks as if this one's a bit more related to character development than usual. A week or so ago, we got this vignette of old pouty Pip and toe rag Toby shunting the cows back where they belonged after they I don't know, escaped into the road or whatever it was. Pip hadn't mended a fence or something and they all escaped. And she didn't want David and Ruth to know. And she got Toby to help her out with all of that. And I seem to remember that they got into Tony's Anguses 
So are they affected as well, not just the Brookfield herd? And then Ed, who bought that drink or whatever, was involved and he shunted them into a field with Adam's cows. So how many cows are now living with bovine herpes? And will this affect their dating prospects? Will this be a turning point for Pip? Can't say that I've ever really liked her even though I've got sympathy for her because she's an overly protected person, never seen life outside Ambridge, dated that elderly professor, whatever it was. Anyway, will she feel so uh, awful about her not mending the fence that she'll become a responsible adult and not a petulant, spoiled brat? Well, if nothing else, um, I suppose it's taught us how serious it is to leave gates open or to report cows that are on the wander. Not that that's ever going to happen in New York City, I don't suppose. The worst thing that happens with wildlife here is that people die of rat-borne diseases or they step in uncollected dog poo on Park Avenue. Speaking of which, Lucy, I know you always pick up dog poo. Your thanking me live online for our dinner was lovely. You don't need to worry for one second about bread and butter letter, even though I cherish it if you sent it. I should be saying thank you to you both for giving us so much. And I've already voted. I'll ring again soon. And bye for now. Yes, he's giving you sympathy about your Bible verses. Um, you see... A mob is never good. If they hadn't called it mob grazing, if they've just called it nice sharing or they could have called it group grazing, that all sounds much more relaxed and nice and uninfectiony. But because they called it <laughs> mob grazing, all horrible and everyone wants to die. Mm. Um, um, yes, that's sad. And thank you very much, New York, Nigel. You didn't. I, I, now we've got into a situation where I'm thanking you for thanking me for thanking you. But we'll shut up now. But thank you. Well, um, and I want to thank New York Nigel because we get a lot of people, Juicy Loose, that say, oh, thank you for the hours of fun and humour that you've given us and that you've, you know, I feel like I'm listening to, to, to friends and we feel like we know you, blah, blah, blah. And um, number one, just very, very quickly, uh, I was maybe a little bit harsh about the whole kind of Bible verse thing. Uh, and I made an aunt on, on WhatsApp. And then thought of the day. And as somebody said to me on the Twitters, uh, Lionel Bloom was the best one on thought of the day. And when I used to listen to it, I always, I always thought that too. Um, so, yeah, I was a little bit harsh. But getting back onto my main uh, thought is that um, we get, we, Lucy and I, get loads back from, from obviously doing, doing Dum De Dum. And, and just as a little, little insight into how this has helped uh, keep me nourished emotionally shall we say of the last three years i know lucy knows all of this but in the last three years i've gone on a little bit um, of a journey and i know it's somewhat of a uh, a trite and cliched thing to do but when i started off doing dum de dum um i was a married person and then i've got separated hence i've been wandering the earth like cain so to speak and um, now kind of going through a divorce and i only say that for this reason number one because um in the last week there was New York Nigel and his lovely message, um, again, saying, you know, kind of what uh, we've given to people. But then also, I've had about five or six messages from people, from Dumby Dum listeners, just saying utterly, thoroughly, decently nice things. 
they have no idea where my emotional state was um, but just said very nice things about me personally and these are people who I'll probably never ever meet and we just have um, I sometimes feel uh, that we have 25,000 35,000 35, friends um, throughout the world and it's friends who for the most part the vast majority will, will never ever meet but they are our little cheerleaders and our, our supporters and sometimes when those uh, clouds come to, to darken your sun, so to speak, it's just nice when somebody just plops in a little message and says, I've just listened to Dum De Dum. I've just heard this. Um, you know, what you guys do is wonderful. And it just helps you kind of get through the day. So thank you to all those people that sent me a nice little message, whether it's on Facebook or whether it's on Twitter or kind of DM because um, last week hasn't been the best but you know what I'm all right and it's kind of onwards and upwards and thank you for helping through the last three years everybody. Now is it ad break time? Have we got any emails? What's next? <laughs> <laughs> don't top, wanna, I don't want to dwell on all that emotional <laughs> stuff. I'm going to be British about it, you know, Give address us it. Facts, Roy Field. Give us a nice fact. Right okay if you want a fact or two. Right okay. I know I was going to put this basically on 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 tractor news, but um, me maps. I've had a shed load of maps come through uh, this week. Uh, had one from Ruthless Nancy and Tessa Herring actually came through today. The Boston Public Schools map switch, which aims to amend. <laughs> Aims to amend 500 years of Western-centric uh, propaganda, i.e. because of the Mercator prediction that North America and Europe are so big. So thank you for that, Ruthless Nancy and Tessa Herring. Norm Driscoll. Awesome map, Norm. Right, I love this. Right, a wonderful pair of isochronic maps from uh, 1914 and 1916. This is actually really interesting, Lucy, really interesting. Because what they do is they show you in kind of like an isobar, um, if you know, you know, imagine isobars on like the weather map, right? Yes. How long it took you in 1914 compared to another map of 1916 to get to different places in the world. So it would take you a week in 1914 to get from London to Moscow, let's say. Now you can do that in what, five hours or so. So mm. it shows you how um, the globe has physically shrunk in terms of travel time. But it's beautifully rendered, that map. It looks like something out of the, out of the 19, uh, ni early 1900s. Zorro P. Freely and Steve Smith both sent me the Anglo-Saxon map of London, which, had, which they both said was oddly compelling. And it had things like uh, Camberwelly and, uh, you know, my Anglo-Saxon pronunciation is, is, is obviously piss poor. But all the um, Anglo-Saxon names were very um, popular, well-known bits of London. Then we had uh, Marletu <laughs> and Celebrating Adam that sent me through the... This is one for you, Lucy. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't, don't laugh in a mocking way. Laugh in celebration, right? Because they sent me both through the literature map of the world where every country of the world is represented, arguably, by its most famous or most important book. So Ooh. what exactly? There you go. You're yes, that's hurt me up. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I thought that that will rattle your cage. Now, <laughs> <laughs> what was the book of Russia? Do you reckon? Take a wild guess. Most popular Russian book. Doctor Zhivago. 
Uh, guess again. Good guess. Uh, War and Peace. Well done. Well done. Now, um, what When you was... say popular, popular with people who haven't actually read it, clearly. But anyway, Well, there on. you go. You know, what, what it's synonymous with, shall we say. Uh, America. Uh, Catcher in the Rye. Mm. Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, there's loads you could have had there. They actually had To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, and then last one, Canada. Um, e. Annie Prue. No. Anne of Green Gables. <gasps> really? Mm. Wow. There, there, there's, well, there's loads of controversy in, in this because they didn't have Shakespeare or Dickens as the book of the UK. And I can't remember exactly what it was now. But I, th- I think it was one of your Brontes or something or another. But you know, okay. you just, you just would have thought us oh, Shakespeare. Yeah. But then again, it's plays, though, isn't it? So if you think about it, you go well. Actually, that does knock out Shakespeare straight away. But anyway, moving swiftly on. Um, okay, guys, guys, guys. Thank you. No, no, no. Of, this is for the, this is, for the, Lucy. For the love of Lucy, God. No, no. Map stop of the week. Map, map oh. of the week. This is map of the week. You will love yeah. this one. Rob Baker. Yeah. You know this one, do you? No. All right. I said I already know I won't like it. But no, you will. On. You will. You will. Royfield, I have a lovely map. It's the Metropolitan Police map showing urinals where arrests for importuning and gross indecency were made in 1953. <laughs> 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 well done, Rob. <laughs> Why have you got that? Why? <laughs> Well, there was a Wolfenden report, wasn't there, which came out like the year afterwards, which helps to start the decriminalisation of all, of all of that malarkey. And so so the Met Police were <laughs> have this very detailed... There's a lot of dots on that map, I'm telling you. <laughs> a lot of importuning was going on. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for all Do you know what happened? What? Do you know what happened? Yeah. You know, I walked the dog on 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 the edge of Epping Forest. Did you get importuned? No, um, but somebody was. It's a, it's a very big dogging area and oh. and cruising area. Mm-hmm. And at the weekend on Sunday, somebody's dog pulled a bag out of the lake, and it had a load of um, bondage stuff in there, including a pair of ladies' pink studded knickers. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the idea of the dog hauling it out, taking it to his owner, and the owner's going, "It's not mine. Leave it." Leave it. <laughs> and the dog's going, "I got you here. I got you here." And they go, "No, no, it's not mine. I don't, I've never seen it. I don't want it. Take it away. Put it back in the lake." <laughs> so yes, just finishing up with lake. with with my um with the, the Royfield roundup. Um, uh, Jane Curzon, who is forty five years old would like us to know that Vanessa Feltz is not with that personal trainer anymore. She's now with some bloke from the Fats Why and Why are you telling Small. us how old Jane Curzon is? Because, I, because she put it in her DM. I think she put it as a somewhat kind of, you know, when kids like write into Blue Peter and they're like 12, oh, 12 and three quarters. Yeah, yeah, she says, Jane Curzon, 45, don't you know? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, Vanessa Feltz, um, it was a love match. And uh, she's not with the personal trainer anymore. And she's, she's now with the guy from I Fats and Smalls. Talk, like the Daily Express in 1975, oh, Roy. Well, <laughs> I do it for comic effect. We're here not yes. only to inform, but I would to believe entertain you if you didn't people. talk to me like that when we were off air. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she says yes. 
it's the age of enlightenment now. How can I trust the whole historical map thing, Royfield, if you don't know basic facts? Oh, yeah. But yeah. you do know a lot about urinals and opportuning, inopportune, in whatever it was. Yeah, I, I do now. I do now. Don't you? All right. So, so you yeah. can, you can, he's very, he's very hot on lavatories, Jane. <laughs> yeah. I do like a heated lavatory seat. That's a, that's a touch of class, I tell you. If you have heated car seats, they just make you feel like you've peed yourself. Well, anyway. no, you can get a bit sweaty down below, can't you, if you're not careful, especially on a long car oh, ride. And then yeah. what what I really dislike about them, I love them in theory, but like on a on a little mini, you've got three settings, which is first one is so cold that you can't even feel you've actually switched the thing on. Second... Mm, it's mildly warm, but I need it a little bit more. Then the third is too fucking hot. There needs to be a <laughs> foot. <laughs> exactly. Between two and three, there is such a massive jump. Right, that needs to go back back to the testing rack and <laughs> to be sorted out, I'm telling you. I always I always skip between two and three on the heated seat and in a little mini. It's just too hot, too cold. Anyway, let's come back the other side. Let's uh, and you can hear and Lucy. We've got an email. We've got oh, an email. Oh God! Right, sorry, I'm rushing ahead. Silver girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is also about what you were saying about um, uh, about the benefit of community from Dumpty Dum. But she is talking about um. Uh, how how what we were saying last week about the archers bringing people together she said she works with people who uh, have mental health problems we have one particular client who we really struggle to help he has a list of diagnosed mental health conditions and personality disorders he's never had a relationship a job and has no friends or family it's taken us over a year to even have a two-way conversation with him where he doesn't think we're judging him how did this happen? He said his radio is all he has. I threw in for a laugh. I don't suppose you listen to the archers, do you? Yes, he does. And bingo, we were off. All I have to do now while we sit together in the garden is casually say, blimey, Lillian and Justin, eh? And he's off. He opens up via the medium of the archers, chats about what he thinks about the plot and slowly lets me see little bits of who he is as we chuckle together, as we have both listened for as long as we can remember. It's a safe medium for him, and it's meant we have at last found a safe way in. He's even started to make conversation with other clients. So the archers can be a simple way to unite all sorts of people. Isn't that lovely? Absolutely is lovely. And as soon as you said Silver Girl, I remember that we had that lovely email in. No, that, mm. That's absolutely gorge. Now, can I just like big, big you up in your podcast? Yes. All right. So, uh, come back, the other side. We'll touch a yokel bear this week. Um, but before we get to yokel bear... It was Billy Bell. It was yokel bear last week. But your thing very clearly says... Yes, I'm just changing it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. What you don't know, listeners, is that we have a shared document with the script on. And if one of us forgets something, i.e. me, um, all of a sudden it goes pink and Royfield can see my little cursor hurriedly going, whoops, and altering the text just as he's about to read it, which is a little bit disconcerting. Uh... So we're going to come back, folks, the other side <laughs> with a touch of uh, social media roundup from our Facebooker, from the ups, oh, from our ups of Facebook with the ups, with the upside down Millie Bell. That looks <sighs> like something I've written. <laughs> Facebook. 
I'm trying a counterintuitive approach. I'm instead of me writing things and you pronouncing it in gibberish, I'm writing gibberish to see if that works. <laughs> <laughs> that. Right. Okay, there we go. Good. So, folks, after all of that excitement, it's time for us to settle down, take things easy, maybe have a chamomile tea, or even a spot of G and tea. I'll have my camp coffee as always. We'll come back the other side, and it'll be our upside down world look at things of social media and dumby dum with, of course, Millie Bell. But before all that, you can listen to Lucy V. Freeman talk and emote about the benefits of walking your dog and just speaking to people. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Along the way. And watching them open up. Now I'll just talk about some more kind of surface vacuous stuff and then play some music. Awesome. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea. But um, well, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a paedophile in, um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome. Yeah. Um, for me... I well, and I think the reason that I somehow managed to to win in the end is that for me it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together. Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday Fifteen, which you can get, of course, from a podcatcher of your choice. Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years, and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, If your dogs get on, you tend to just, you say, which way are you going, can I come with you? and you just sort of amble along and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front so there's no embarrassing eye contact if things get a bit heavy if someone starts talking about something that 
they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, oh, I can never have another one. And then in a couple of months' time, they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them. And um, We've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something something nice to think about, something interesting to think about, even if it's not nice. And having a dog is a sort of a, a universality, really. The people aren't all like me, as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series. Leading up to the 1860 election, in walks a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who is the Republican candidate. The Republicans to the South represent the ending of slavery. And Lincoln, despite the fact that his sentiment was always in the beginning to preserve the Union rather than to abolish slavery, becomes the lightning rod of anti-Southern sentiment. And he ends up winning the election in 1860 with no support from the South. The Guardian, Manchester, Tuesday, November 20th, 1860. Summary of news, foreign. The details respecting the presidential election furnished by the New York journalist, not complete, but they not only assure us of Mr. Lincoln's election, but show that the Republican Party has obtained far more than the requisite number of votes for his return. It is calculated that New York, Pennsylvania, the New England states, New Jersey, and the Northwestern states give him 171 electoral votes, or 19 more than the majority required for the election, the total number of electoral votes being 303. It is not improbable, too, that this majority may be further swelled by the result of the elections in the Pacific states of Oregon and California. We have no account of the manner in which the Southerners have received the intelligence of Mr. Lincoln's election. The next advices will no doubt be filled with fierce Southern declamations and protest, but it's not very likely that any Southern states will do anything mere than talk loudly about succession. Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today and subscribe to us on iTunes from Washington to Obama. 10 American Presidents, the new podcast from Royfield Brown. Good day everyone, Millie Bell here. Well, we have been busy on the forum and also on the Facebook page. Uh, We're talking about the podcast awards on the forum and of course uh, we'd really like you
you to vote for us. Uh, Candida Beaching is, tr- is trying to get people together for a Dumpty Do on the 1st of April. Landless Gentry has a very long and interesting rambling. And Paul Robertson wants to know where's a wob when you need him. And Dusty Substances apologises to residents in Teddington yesterday evening and it made me think that perhaps we all need a a sticker for our car that just says, sorry, I'm an Archers fan. Um, And I'm sure people will understand while we're ranting. Uh, On the Facebook page, we have been very busy uh, because a number of things uh, appalled and annoyed us this week. Uh, We wondered whether David and Ruth should loan Pip the money that she needs. Andrea Melling said yes, but only after she has come clean about her poor decision to give the money to Toby and learned that lesson. Otherwise, they are just enabling her immaturity and lack of judgment, which is what they've done up to now. Most people were, in fact, saying no. Uh, Alison Butler said no, especially since this milk yields stuff means they might be heading for for cash flow difficulties themselves. Uh, Problem is, she'll perceive it as their opinion about Toby rather than being sensible financially. Uh, Audrey-Anne Delgado Covarubia says, nope, she's with David on this. Most people said no, but not everybody. Um, And Witherspoon would like to point out that for Pip, it is a trend and it's about the choices that she's making and she needs to have a long, hard think about that, I think. Uh, We also uh, had a lot of comment um, about Lillian Bellamy, um, who we know is Sunny Ormond, uh, and it was obviously enjoyed very much by everybody. So well done to Lucy. I thought it was a great interview. And we discussed Lillian being scared of commitment and who would have thunk it? And Zoe Picton said, or is she just scared of commitment to Justin? Uh, Jane Rolfe said, it's not really about her being scared of commitment, is it? It's because he he has just assumed in his totally entitled way that she will marry him. Any idea of her consenting to it is completely immaterial to him. And that is a bloody good reason to take some thinking time. Look, Jane, I think you summed that up beautifully. And Terry Gardner said, yeah, he's suddenly a bit needy, isn't he? I actually think the word is not needy but entitled. He just made all these assumptions. We then uh, discussed the bickering in front of the paying guests of Robert and Jim and wondered if they would really do that in real life. Um, because, of course, we know them in real life. Uh, Jessica Dyzel said, I would expect nothing less from them. Hannah May said, of course, it's in their nature. Peter Mabbott said, oh, yes, Basil and Sybil Fawlty live again. Uh, Nicholas Barnes says, yes, next question. Jenny Allen, yes, neither are in need of the money, so this doesn't matter to them half as much as their birding rivalry. Uh, Vicky Prowl Friday suggests they would, especially if alternative facts are reported about bird sightings. And Kate Lyle said, no, of course, they wouldn't. Utterly ridiculous. Well, I'm not in the majority on this one at all. I am with Kate. I thought it was utterly ridiculous, and I didn't think that they would really behave like that in real life. Um, and finally, we would. I, I thought that Peggy was very unkind to Lillian, and then she was so re- incredibly overgenerous with Kirsty, and I didn't think that was right. But Karen Valerie Hodgson says, I think Peggy is just quite old-fashioned and feels that a marriage covenant is to be honoured, and that infidelity, adultery, to use biblical terms, is inherently wrong. She is a staunch ch- churchgoer, 
and I imagine strong Christians, so one would hardly expect her to have any other views on the Justin Lillian liaison. As for the interaction with Kirsty, I for one thought it was lovely the way that Peggy acknowledged the extent to which Kirsty has helped and supported the family throughout the terrible time of Helen's arrest, imprisonment and trial, and was empathetic enough to realise that this cannot have been easy for her given the awful way she has been treated by Tom. She says it's all in keeping with the characterisation in this instance. Yes, I think it possibly is in keeping. I still think it was, well, I don't know. I thought it was two-faced myself, uh, but that's just me. And I also think that uh, Lillian would say something. So that also surprised me. Anyway, whether you agree with me or not agree with me, and many on that thread did and many did not, um, it's all part of the debate, isn't it? And that's what we like. So please, uh, talk to Yokel Bear, talk to me, talk to each other on Facebook or on the forum. We want to hear from you. So uh, keep them coming, folks. And until next week, oh, sorry, next fortnight, hooroo. Millie Bell, thank you for that. Um, we had a lo- I had a lovely chat with Millie Bell this week, actually, Liz. Did you? Mm-hmm. We talked about, she said, uh, she pulled me to task about the fact that um, I hadn't that she does, hadn't done any of the social media of my podcast and I said it was racism and then that started a whole <laughs> lovely chat online and we talked about her kids and all sorts and the future and oh, it was just lovely I don't talk oh. to her enough and that was just lovely so thank you for that Millie Bell. Um, now Juicy Loose um, hashtag the Archer's tweets of the last seven days please because we need to wrap this podcast oh. up toot sweet um Ambridge Observer. Most of these were about the um uh whether about the world's most appalling proposal. Um Ambridge Observer, C. E. Michael, said, Blimey, I thought Justin was gonna bring out the old salami and double gloucester again there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best euphemism ever. <laughs> uh Jane Rosa said I am not sure this is any of Peggy's business. I think she should just watch A Place in the Sun and eat jelly babies. <laughs> Can I just say, just whilst we're here. <laughs> yes. Because we, we haven't really talked about this. And I know we're in the middle of tweets. I was just really touched by Peggy and Kirsty this week. And and I think it goes to the, the kind of black and white nature of social media. But he's like, Peggy, she's piggy and she's so awful and, and she's terrible and, and whatever. And here was somebody uh, who's been on this planet for 90 odd years, just having so much understanding and compassion and was genuinely surprised when Kirsty turned up on her doorstep uh, to deliver that check back. And I just thought that's an incredibly touching scene. And, and, you know, she made the point of saying it shows me a lot of your character that you actually yeah. want to give me this thing back. Right. Yeah. And I just thought that was just a beautiful, touching little scene. Yeah. Just to wind, you know, not to not to wind down the whole miscarriage thing, because it will have reverberations going, going forward for years, very obviously. But I just thought that was just lovely. And, and it just go and when everybody's just like, oh, she's the worst person mm. ever she's you know she's only just the right the right side of hitler and genghis khan it's like oh come on folks and whatever you know she's a woman who is the way that she is because she's been around for so long and she's seen so much stuff doesn't mean that everything she does is right and whatever but she showed a massive amount of kind of compassion and understanding mm. and i just thought that was lovely also, I think that was so beautifully written, that scene, because she said, oh, hello, dear. I haven't seen you since the um, 
Yes. Since, uh, and Kirsty said, the miscarriage very mm. loudly and clearly just to say, I am going to talk about it. But it was mm. kind of that generation just went, oh, that business, yeah. you know, that full business. And, exactly. Uh, you know, mm. And it was just so lovely that Kirsty sort of put her right and then off they went from there. Very no, nice. No, no, you, you're absolutely right. And, and that was um, a, a beautiful note in terms of the script writers saying that they understood mm. Um, mm-hmm. the generation, the generational gap. Because, you know, if yeah. I, was, if I w- was writing that, I would have said the miscarriage and it would have been wrong. You're completely right. You know, yeah. that generation, they never talked about cancer explicitly. They never talked about yeah. you know, things like that. You know, you always talked around and that was well observed, Lucy. It was well written and well observed. Um, James McNaught, again about the proposal, said, help, I have cringed so hard I've pulled a muscle. <laughs> I, 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 it was just awful wasn't it, it, it get up justin that kind of panicky it, what the hell are you doing you idiot it, it was <sighs> awful and i don't know whether it's just because i'm a bloke right i've got a little bit more sympathy for justin than i should he thought he was doing what she wanted but she just hasn't got a bloody clue well how much of us ever really have a clue is the first thing I would say to that. But yes, and Lillian saying to him, you haven't even told me that you loved me. Mm. You know, that that's pretty poor, Justin. I'm not going to excuse, excuse uh, any kind of behaviour if you can't even just, you know, utter those words. But I suppose, again, he's kind of somebody of a generation, of a social set where certain things are just obvious well of course it's obvious i've just you know just got rid of my wife of course i love you type type of thing blah 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 blah. yeah you know it's you know he's almost as much of a victim of 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 this as she is because he's gone into this thinking i'm gonna have a little bit of slap and tickle he obviously obviously is kind of fallen for the woman and in his own way he's trying to do the right thing but he's just gone off and done it half cock and i've always kind of thought that public you know, those public declarations of, um, you know, love where you get down on one knee and, and propose to somebody are just foolhardy in the extreme because there's no response anyone can ever give other than, well, of course, even if they have absolutely no intention because, you know, the whole world's watching. And so in that regard, I've got to say to Lillian, good on for you for just like running out type of thing. Yeah, yeah. Because me, if I, you know, being British and polite, I'd have said, of course, Justin. You know, yeah. and then taking him to one side afterwards and says, this wedding will happen in 2030. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? When you're dead. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to the tweets. But I just I just, just wanted to get those little things off yeah. my chest. Um, Ayalanthi Rosa said, I don't think Ambridge is in danger of losing its wild places so long as Lillian has a bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and this is... She knows all most... about bird watching, by the way. That's what she does. All over her ah. Facebook. Ilanthi Rosa. Yeah, she's a proper Twitcher supreme. Mm. We'll have to introduce her to Jimus. Um Paul, uh, this is one of our most peculiar tweets of the week ever. This is also about it 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 happened about a second after the the uh the world's most appalling proposal. Um Paul S, who just put no, 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 hashtag the archers. I thought you were going to say no limits at the end. I thought it was too unlimited. 
because you started off with that kind of intonation. No, 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 no. But anyway, right. Yes. Are we done? Was that was that tweet? Yeah, we done. Okay, smashing, smashing. No, one more thing. Very quickly, we have a lovely tweeter called Turbrech, the nice man who sounds like Ivor Cutler. Uh, it's called Donald uh, Peddy, you and he lives in such Andrews. Got a crush on this this man here. <laughs> and his um his Twitter handle is Turbrech T U R B R E C H. Can we all follow him and give him a bit of love because he is not very well at all at the moment, and oh. um we need to jolly him along, um whether he wants us to or not. Sorry, Donald, but there you go. You're just going to have to live with it. You're going to have lots of people following you now sorry oh well i'll, I'll follow you mr turbrick i think you're a lovely human being lucy's yeah. in love with you mind you <laughs> right let's just wrap this mumba jammer up because uh we need to get on with our lives and there's pro- probably other podcasts that people want to listen to talking about other podcasts that people want to listen to uh please vote for us in the british podcast awards um, there will be a link in the description yeah. underneath Vote this. early, vote often. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think we deserve it. We deserve that vote. And um, I've got me speech, me acceptance speech all written. So yeah, I'm going to bring in everything, Lucy. Uh, I'm going to talk about 500 years worth of oppression against uh, against the black man. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, misogyny. I'm going to talk about sheep. I'm going to talk about the oneness that I feel with you as my podcasting wife. Um, yeah, it's going to be epic. So if you want to hear that speech, folks, uh, please vote. While you're doing that speech, mm. can I stand behind you flapping my fingers in front of my eyes so yeah. that, you know, looking up, I'm trying not to not to cry? Yes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thank God and um, <laughs> my makeup artist and my plastic surgeon and my... And I have to describe you as my wonderful, wonderful, wonderful producer. That would be lovely. Oh, but just imagine yeah. if we get there, then all of a sudden, as um, Warren Beatty's reading it out, we discover that hmm, actually, <laughs> it is my dad wrote a porno after my all. It wasn't Dum Dee Dum. Yeah. No. Dum Dee Dum dot com. Go there. Hmm? Then we just have to put on our, our, our "We Don't Really Mind" the best, the best podcast one faces, don't we? Absolutely. Well, and then we'll just duff them up in the cloakroom later. <laughs> but there's more of them than there is of us. There's three of them. Four if but you we're... count the dad that actually wrote the porno. I'm sure he'll but be there. We're, we're rude, though. We fight dirty. <laughs> <laughs> True that, my sister. <laughs> Dumdum.com, go there, got a shop. Uh, also on dumdum.com, you'll find Tractor and a forum and all sorts. And at this rate, uh, I'm going to have to go and institute Map of the Week on there as well. The whole thing's becoming <laughs> bloated. <laughs> but it, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun place to go. Oh, and I'll tell you what you can find on, on www.com. You can go and find the video of the interview with, with Sunny, which Lucy conducted last week, which um, has got a shed load of views, actually. A lot of people have actually watched that. It's exactly the same interviews we actually had on the show. But it's lovely just to see her in the flesh. So, dumdydum.com, folks, go there. It's awesome. Um, if you'd like to help keep our little show on the road, there's a couple of ways this can be done. You can help us by hitting the donate button on our website, or you can go to patreon.com and become a Patreon. And um, I've threatened this for a, for a few weeks now, but 
actually do have um, up my sleeve um, some new Patreon uh, reward bands, which are going, which I'm going to institute on there when I can actually get organised. Uh, so uh, go there. That's where you can help us because if you want to help us. Uh, you can do that. Anyway, uh, remember to get in contact with us. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on our website, which I think you know is called dumjudum.com, or you can call us on 02030313105 to leave us a message on an ordinary, old-fashioned Alexander Graham Bell phone. Ah, social media, Twitter. We're at dumjudum. Me, I'm at Royfield. Hashtag me some maps, yo, because that shit's good. Um, Harriet is at Shambridge's. And I'm at Lucy V. Freeman. And don't you even think about hashtagging me any maps, yo, because <laughs> I am not into that shizzle. All right. Thank you. Facebook. Uh, go there. It's definitely the Millie Bell and Yokel Bear show. And um, it, there's a whole raft of just funniness and cleverness and insightfulness that goes on there. So that's Facebook. There you go. That's me. Mapped up. <laughs> Are we done then? Yes. Okay then. Shall we go then? Let's go. Bye bye. I know. I know oh. what the end music is going to be. What's that? There's no limit. Oh gosh! Well Let done. See you later. Bye bye.
much crowd. Microphone check as I choose my route. I'm playing on the road, I've got no fear. The sound from my mouth is a rap you hear. No village too deep, no mountain too high. Reach the top, touch the sky. You try to diss me, cause I sell out. I'm making techno and I am proud. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.